Lucas on Life. Hello and welcome to Lucas on Life. I'm Jeff Lucas and a very happy Sunday to you. Here's a question for you to consider. Do you ever find yourself looking around church on a Sunday morning during the worship and checking out your fellow congregation? I'm an avid student of people, so I do this perhaps more than I should with a variety of results. Sometimes I feel a warm sense of gratitude as I'm thankful for the family of Christians that God has given me. What a fine, fun lot they are. But some of the time I think that when we survey the home crowd of our local church, we actually feel that everyone is slightly superior to us. Surely we reason they've all read Leviticus through twice this morning and they all have a super speed Wi-Fi prayer line always connected to heaven. Their hearts are, we reason, less likely to be sullied by fear, doubt, lust, anxiety and angst about the size of Doris's hat, whose straw fruit ball head covering is eclipsing the sun. We alone are the solitary low-life types who wrestle with such carnality. The same tendency towards self-dismissal and feeling that I alone can't do it kicks in quickly when it comes to thinking about prayer. We can nurse the notion that everyone else is so good at praying, but that we have the franchise on failure when it comes to personal spirituality. Crises break out deep inside the heads of people who attend those very long prayer meetings that Borden gives the whiff of penance to. After what seems the 20th hour, even though we've only actually been there for 20 minutes, we risk opening our eyes to take a quick glance at our watch during a numbingly snorry prayer. It's then that we imagine, with a major flush of inferiority, that everyone else in the place is hurtling along the intercessory information superhighway with fluid ease, no trouble with a meandering mind for them, no momentary lapses of concentration threatening their unbroken harmony with heaven, no drifting into wondering what's going to happen in EastEnders. Prayer, it can be challenging for all of us. Well, some help is at hand, but not from an expert, I fear, but from one who struggles to pray, but believes it's vital. And that would be me. We're reflecting on the subject of prayer here on Lucas on Life, and you're listening to Premier Christian Radio. I've never been much good at prayer, as I was reflecting earlier. Perhaps I need to join a group. Hello, my name is Jeff, and I'm addicted to activity and conversation. Hi, Jeff, the group responds in unison, hopefully. So while spending time alone, especially in prayer, is surely helpful for me, extended solitude quickly becomes solitary confinement. As a wilderness hermit dedicated to prayer and a diet of grass and goat droppings, I'd be rubbish. Even the mention of the word prayer intimidates me, and I'm not alone. As I mentioned earlier, but I think it's worth repeating, most of us labour under the impression that everybody else is better at praying than we are. The feeling is compounded if you've ever read a book written by one of those bionic mystics or saints who, 300 years before there was anything on the telly, would pop off to the woods, crawl into the bowels of a log, and have six blissful weeks of fasting and prayer with apparently zero effort. I could never aspire to such dizzy heights. I'd probably give myself the 20 minutes of fervent prayer 
before exiting the log hastily, first of all to remove errant wood lice from my underwear and break my gruelling 20-minute fast by demolishing a double cheeseburger. Perhaps you feel the same way, and so maybe we should adjust our thinking about prayer. First of all, Scripture freely acknowledges that we will all find prayer tough. So if we're challenged, we're not bad, we're just human. We do not know how we ought to pray, says Romans chapter 8, 26. And those words come from the mighty apostle in a confession that nudges me to headbutt a tambourine in gratitude. I so appreciate Paul's honesty in acknowledging that talking with someone who is invisible isn't that easy. And then the pages of the Bible frequently portray people struggling to pray and falling asleep as they tried. Jesus' disciples, who were hand-picked to change world history, remember, they drifted off into exhausted slumber, no less than three times in the Garden of Gethsemane, even though Jesus had specifically asked them to stay awake, alert, and do vigil with him. The thought of them snoring their way through one of the most epic junction moments of all time, a habit of theirs they got sleepy during the Transfiguration too, all of that fills me with hope. As for lengthy prayer times, I'm encouraged that Jesus countered the Pharisaic idea that the only good prayers were long prayers. We might need to pray at length, but we don't have to set a meter running. Here's a thought. It's better to pray for five minutes a day than it is to believe that you're supposed to pray for an hour a day, but not actually pray at all. I'm trying to be more practical about prayer as well. Shared prayer with another person is good and easier, but sometimes strangely doesn't feel like it truly counts as much as the solo variety, which is a bit odd, seeing as we're specifically instructed to agree with each other in prayer. That obviously involves other people. And then I like to go for a walk when I pray. Not only does this double the benefits, giving me a physical workout, as well as the opportunity to spend time with God, but I've discovered that it's fairly difficult to drift off to sleep while walking. Not many people slump to the ground in slumber while trotting along the high street. As a non-Anglican, I've found liturgy useful at times. Sometimes I use common worship as a foundation for my prayers, mainly because there are times when I can't think of too much that's useful to say, and I quickly get bored with the sound of my own voice. Prayer. It can be a challenge, but we can find ways to make it just a little easier. And don't forget, Scripture promises us that the Holy Spirit wants to help us in our praying. Keep calm and pray. Odd things happen when people are baptized by full immersion. I know of a minister who wore fishermen's waders so that he wouldn't have to change clothing for the event. The waders leaked and he became one waterlogged minister, which was a bit awkward. Another hapless, besuited leader delegated the actual baptizing to one of his team, but popped onto the platform to provide a benediction at the end of the service and then stepped back into the tank. Oh dear. My own baptism was something of a fiasco. Baptismal candidates back then were expected to share a testimony prior to the dunking, so I decided to write and perform a song. A huge mistake. I smile at the thought of it. Singing a duet with a friend, we tortured the fixed, grinned congregation with our awful verses, and then, when submerged, I kicked my legs up in the air, sending a miniature tidal wave towards the elderly ladies sitting on the front pew. 
But my most recent baptismal experience was epically aquatic. Visiting the Holy Land during one of our annual tours, there were 32 members of our group who wanted to be baptised in the River Jordan. The site is allegedly the place where Jesus was baptised by John. When we do our trips, we're not precious about these things. We don't offer see-where-Moses-had-a-cappuccino excursions. Nevertheless, being baptised in the same vicinity as Jesus is special and challenging because at the baptismal site, the River Jordan is about 10 metres wide at most and the border between Israel and the nation of Jordan is a rope right in the centre of the river. On each bank, Jordanian and Israeli border guards usually stand, machine guns in hand, a warm and comforting sight. All was going well until our friend Jerry waded into the water. My wife Kay and I gulped because Jerry is a big man, a tall chap, and the river current was strong, so baptising him might take a little extra effort. We meant to ease him back into the water slowly, carefully, but in his enthusiasm he threw himself backwards, emigrating in the process. For a moment, his head was in the nation of Jordan, his nether regions in Israel. The guards moved closer. This could create an international incident. I didn't immediately see those guards because I was totally underwater, thrown off balance by his sudden backflip. Flailing around, I surfaced to witness our compassionate group laughing hysterically at the sight of our mass immersion. Why did this happen? Simple. Kay and I had not planted our feet firmly on the riverbank, and thus we were vulnerable. We were not standing securely. So now, what's all of this got to do with prayer? Well, you see, it seems to me that when we pray, we are standing, we are standing firm in faith. The activist mantra mocks the apparent inactivity of us just standing still with a call to perpetual motion. Don't just stand there, do something. But sometimes staying in one place is all we're called to do because there's nothing else to be done but just pray. We've come to an impassable junction. We've tried all the usual things. We've consulted, we've worked and we've planned and we've even exhausted a few useless options too, like fretting and worrying. And now we're facing a concrete wall of our own limitations and all we can do is stop and trust and pray. I know we've experienced the horrendous days of the coronavirus pandemic and more about that in just a moment, but we've often used the phrase we don't know what on earth is going on. When we don't know what's going on, when we look around and we see people who are still sick and dying all around the globe, when we see the world's economies struggling to fight against the dreaded plague, we can be tempted towards despair. But when we don't know the why of what's happening, and when we're not sure about the what of what we should do, what we can do is pray, wait reflect, calm our hearts, hold our nerve, in short, keep firm. And we're also called to stand firm when spiritual warfare rages. Writing to some battle-weary believers in Ephesus, Paul encouraged them to clothe themselves not with leaky baptismal waders, but with the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. You see, we have assurance about what is true. 
It was Paul again who told those endlessly wobbly souls in Corinth, famous for their doctrinal vacillations, to hold tightly to the truth that Christ is raised from the dead. Because of that wondrous Easter dawn, death is dead to us too. So let's not be swayed. Let's hold tightly to what we believe. Let's not be intimidated or swept away by uncertainty. Let's stand firm in prayer. And if you're a leader and you're planning a baptism in a river, keep your balance. During tonight's program, I've been talking about my own struggles with prayer. And I have to say that during the darkest days of lockdown, I found it especially difficult to pray. There are times, all too rare, when I do have a sense that God is directly communicating with me, but mostly, I've just got to say I feel like I'm twiddling the knob of an old transistor radio. I get a sudden splurge of voice, quickly obliterated by static. When I try to retune, it turns out I was picking up Russian folk music FM. I had rather expected the world crisis of the pandemic to focus and even embolden my praying. This is because I'm rather good at screaming when under pressure. So I anticipated the same fervency, clarity and intensity in prayer when under pressure shared by the rest of the planet. Unfortunately, to be honest, that has not been the case. I'm not sure how I can describe it adequately, but the crisis, the pandemic changed me. And now off the wall as it sounds, I feel like I need to reintroduce myself to Jesus. Of course, that's not necessary because I believe that I am utterly known by him. But during the pandemic, there was such a shift in my priorities, such turbulence in my moods, and along with everybody else, perhaps, such a change in my everyday lifestyle that I began to feel unfamiliar with myself. I felt that I needed to update Jesus on the adjustments and perhaps get some insight about the alterations to myself. But where do you begin when walking through such a season as this? Because there's been so much to pray about, so many needs, problems, challenges, statistics, predictions, hopes, fears. They overwhelm us like a tsunami. Where to begin? Having too much to pray for is just as challenging as not knowing what to pray for at all. Again, that's why liturgy can be helpful, especially when life renders us speechless. It's rather wonderful to use the well-crafted words shaped by someone who lived a few hundred years ago. And then there's the challenge about praying about some of the problems in my life because I discovered that they were relatively small. I wish that I could go back to worrying about what made me anxious before the pandemic took hold. The trouble is, for the most part, I couldn't remember what I was worrying about. How about you? Any difficulties that I previously faced have all been relative to the greater problem of COVID-19. There have been a couple of examples of God activity in my own personal life. I'd like to call them answers to prayer, but I hadn't asked them to actually happen, so I can't claim them as an answer. Drat. But although I find some strength and hope in those minor interventions, I'm mostly embarrassed by them. They seem rather trivial, silly even. So I'm tempted to send an email to Gabriel, the angel Gabriel at heavensgates.com. That's not a real email address. I made it up. But if it was for real, my email would go something like this. Dear Gabe, if I may be so bold, Gabe seems a bit familiar, as most humans who meet you almost faint with shock. So I hope this is okay. I write to thank you, Gabe, your angelic powers, and most of all, the Lord of heaven and earth, for all your snippets of involvement in my life. 
Although we've never met face to face and I'm not requesting an imminent appointment, especially if this involves a pearly gate encounter and thus my death, I have over the years been extremely grateful for all the positive interventions from heaven in my minuscule little life here on earth. I'm going to regret writing this as soon as I send it, desperate as I am for the continuation of the aforementioned and, did I say, most welcome activities in the journey of yours truly. Nevertheless, perhaps you could pass this message on to our Heavenly Father. I would like to ask him one small request, that he moves to save the inhabitants of planet Earth from this virus thing. I call it a thing because, as I write, some of the most eminent scientists in the world in their collective collaborating of their huge brains have not been able to totally figure it out, although great progress has been made. Calling it by name, COVID-19, does make us feel a little better, as if it's something that we clearly identify, dissect, and then just quickly destroy. For many years now, I and my fellow human beings have lived under the collective illusion that we are really rather clever and can control our own destinies. We were lulled into this silly myth as a result of A, not having a world war for a while, and B, only engaging in localised wars, which were mostly far away, so we chose to ignore them. And then C, ignoring mass poverty and environmental destruction for reasons unknown. But recent developments have proved that we are not actually masters of the universe, that position being filled by your Lord and mine. Anyway, back to the reason for my emailing you. I wonder if you could let it be known that you and the rest of Heaven's vast army can forget about my little worries and just sort out this horrid virus. Hold on, let me delete that last sentence or at least amend it. Please forget me suggesting that you forget my little worries, just postpone giving them your attention because I'd rather like you to return to giving your attention to my stuff once this pandemic is over and done with. In the meantime, I hope it will be all right to offer this short prayer to the Lord, a piece of simple liturgy, if you will. Lord God, help, help, help. Amen. Yours sincerely, Jeff. P.S. Gabriel, please don't forget that I changed forget into postpone. Thanks. Now, listeners, I'm not suggesting that we chat with angels. We can chat directly with the Lord. What I do want to say this evening is that prayer can be challenging, but it is absolutely vital as we stand firm, even in the most challenging days of our lives. Let's be the people of faith that God has called us to be. Let's be people of prayer. See you next time. Lucas on Life.